So we'll be starting at verse uh, Matthew, Matthew 24, verse 45. We'll be reading through to Matthew 25, verse 13. Let's start in dependence on Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Lord God, we adore you. You are good. You are gracious. You are kind. You are majestic in holiness. And even the angels are bowing down before you. You are the light that shines in the darkness. And you hold out salvation for us. Father, we pray today that we would have humble hearts to hear the warnings of your word. And we pray your spirit would be at work in us to help us respond in repentance and faith, alertness and watchfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, I'm very grateful for the RAC. Do you have RAC cover? Nor do I. <laughs> I, I. I use one of the local budget breakdown uh, recovery services, but still nonetheless, are very grateful for them. Uh, just last month, we needed to use them, and they were brilliant. The warning lights were coming uh, up all over our dashboard. It looked a bit like a disco. There were sirens going off in our car that I didn't even realize that we had. And uh, with, with just, uh, when I eventually called them, it was pretty simple to diagnose. Um, apparently, it was our water pump that was slightly broken. But the warning was pretty clear. Under no circumstances should we drive any further. Just pull over safely, get out the car. Actually, I wasn't in the car at that time. It, Harriet was with the kids. They had to walk back, back home. But a no compromise approach uh, was required. Uh, get, out the, get out the car, heed the morning because of imminent danger. And that's exactly what we have this morning in our Bible passage. I'm going to read it, and I'm sure you'll, you'll hear the warning for yourself. So let's go to Matthew 24, verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept, but at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of the oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. 
Well, this morning we have a warning, a very severe warning. And this warning is like uh, the alarm going off in a car. This warning is like the dashboard lighting up everywhere. And there's a danger that God is warning us about this morning, about not being prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this warning is telling us that we must be prepared for Jesus' return. There's nothing more important than to be prepared for Jesus' return, uh, to keep watch and to stay alert for Jesus' return. And if our plan is just to wait until he returns and then get ready, we'll be too late. That's to say, if you're, if you're thinking about your Christian life now, thinking I can sort out my Christian life later on, that's already too late. You've already missed your opportunity. You have to get ready today because you don't know when Jesus will return. Now, it's a warning passage, but God warns those he loves, and we need to take it very seriously. Now, you might remember just before Easter, we started afresh in our uh, Matthew series. We're sort of going through a phase in our church family life now. We'll be finishing off Uh, Matthew's gospel and this section is all about Jesus return you might remember just before uh, Easter uh, John T preached to us Matthew 24 and in that passage there was a great warning to the Jewish institutional leaders and the warning well actually it's warning to everybody but in particular Jesus was saying look the temple is going to get destroyed and of course that did happen in AD 70 after Jesus death the temple was destroyed but that destruction actually was a sign for the whole of humanity. Just as Jesus uh, said the first judgment will come, and it did come, so he is saying that is the sign that judgment is going to come to all humanity, and we all need to be ready for Jesus' return. And so in uh, the end of chapter 24 and in uh, chapter 25 now, uh, we see um, through parables and stories and pictures what Jesus' return will be like, and the importance of being ready for it. And in particular, Jesus is warning churchgoers, those known as Christians. And the warning is this, keep, keep ready, so keep watch and stay alert for Jesus' return. Keep watch and stay alert for Jesus' return. And Jesus is really warning two groups of people. He's warning wicked Christians and he's warning nominal Christians. And I want to take them in turn this morning. So start To start with, there's a warning to wicked Christians. And that's the first part of our reading, uh, the end of chapter 24, 45 to 51. Now, um, what do we see Jesus doing? He is saying that he has put some of his servants in charge of others of his servants. That's verse 25. Who then is the wise and faithful servant whom his master has set over his his household to give them their food at the proper time? Uh, some servants are to look after the other servants. Uh, the, the literal picture is feeding, but it's a picture of looking after others. And if they do that, it will be very good for them. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns, they'll be greatly rewarded, verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I, tell, uh, truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Uh, They'll have great reward when Jesus returns. But the warning is this. Some of these servants who are to look after the other servants won't be doing that. They will be wicked. And there's a warning to these wicked Christians. And you might be thinking, I mean, even as I say the term wicked Christian, it sounds like a contradiction in term. And is it a contradiction? Um, 
Well, it's, it sort of is a contradiction in a technical sense. Christians are people who were wicked, but who've been saved by the blood of Christ and have been sanctified to live a life that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ, not perfectly, uh, but truly. But that doesn't mean that everyone who calls himself a Christian is really a Christian. We'll consider a bit of that a bit more later on. But for now, we just need to see how Jesus describes people within the church, indeed those leading the church. Verse 48, he says, But if that wicked servant, some who've been put in charge of others within the church, are designated by Jesus or called by Jesus, uh, wicked. Verse 49, what do they do? They beat their fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards. Beating other Christians. Uh, loving to be greedy, loving to indulge in revelry. And their destiny, verse 51, they'll be cut in pieces and put with the hypocrites. Uh, Being cut in pieces, again, it's not literal. It's a picture of what would happen to God's servants. But to be cut in pieces would have been the most severe punishment of a slave back in those days. So it's saying these senior servants of this household will actually be treated as slaves, now, it's not literal, it's a picture, but that doesn't mean that the, the reality is any less severe than the picture. In fact, it will be worse. Eternal judgment uh, will be worse. And this is a warning to people, remember, within the church. You might think, hold on a second, how could any Christian act in this way? What would be going through their minds? Well, again, Jesus tells us. He gives us the psychology. Look what they say, verse, 40, verse 48, my master is delayed. My master is delayed. My master will be away for a long time. In other words, the mentality is Jesus won't return for ages. For now, I can do what I like. I can live in an unchecked way. It doesn't matter. I'll sort my act out nearer the time when Jesus returns. And two behaviors uh, dominate. One, there's the beating of the fellow servants. He begins to beat his fellow servants. That's what verse 48 says. And it's a sad reality that within the church, so often the worst behavior comes from church leaders. That's what Jesus says. Some of the worst behavior will come from church leaders. Now, I don't think we, we actually live in a particularly violent society today. It's not, we, we, we're not a hugely violent society compared to many societies in the past. But it's still all too common for church leaders to exert power over those they're supposed to serve. Uh, Christian leaders are meant to serve those under their care, not to use them. But this is the warning. Jesus is saying some won't. And if you're in any form of Christian leadership, like myself, uh, one of the other elders, this is a message for us. Uh, But any form of Christian leadership where you're looking after others, Jesus is saying my judgment is coming for you if you do not look after those in your care. As an aside, as a church, we want to be raising up future leaders. And maybe you'll think, actually, I'd like to be a Christian leader one day. And if you desire that, you desire a noble thing. But here's the warning. Make sure you'll use potential leadership for service rather than using others. If you intend uh, to use others, Jesus' eternal judgment is coming your way. So that's the first thing. There's, there's, the, there's the beating of fellow servants, but there's also the, the eating and drinking with drunkards, a, a focus on pleasure, indulgence, escapism, revelry. And why does it happen? 
Well, again, back to verse 48. My master will be away a long time. He'll be delayed. I can indulge in whatever I want now. I'll sort it out later on. But here's the point. You can't sort it out later on. You need to sort it out today. Look at verse 50. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. At an hour, he does not know. That day might be when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Or it may be a day when actually you are taken to be with the Lord Jesus Christ on the day that you die. None of us know uh, when those days will be in our diaries. And if you, del- if you do delay now, then you may end up, you probably will end up, delaying forever. So heed the warning. God warns those he loves. Keep watchful and stay alert for Jesus' return today. Don't delay your repentance. If your plan is to wait, you've left it too late. If, you've plan is too le- if, you, if your plan is to, is to wait, you've left it too late. Here's how someone else has described the strategy of the person who is delaying getting ready for Jesus' return. To reckon on an assumption of delay and so to postpone readiness is to court disaster. It is how God's people are living now, as in today, that will be the key to their fate at the end. If your plan is to wait, you've left it too late. So do not delay. Get ready today. If you're living an unrepentant life now, do not delay. Repent today. To delay is only to invite judgment on yourself later on. Jesus is warning that if you're sinning high-handedly today, deliberately not being bothered about repentance, you're in grave danger. But God warns you to repent today. If your plan is to wait, you've left it too late. So do not delay. Get ready today. Repent now while there's still time. So big picture, Jesus is warning everyone to keep watch and stay alert for his return. And the first warning is to wicked Christians, those who are carrying the name of Christian, but who are living in a way that is completely opposite to the way the Lord Jesus commands. But there's a second warning here as well. And it's not to wicked Christians as such. It's to nominal Christians. I mean, the difference between a wicked Christian and nominal Christian in the end is very little. It's only external behavior that's different. The point is there's no spiritual life there. But by nominal, we really just mean people who have the name of Christian. They might call themselves Christian. They might um, fill out uh, Christian on a census. They might be regular church attendees. And yet there's no inner spiritual life. And I think in a church like ours, there is a particular danger here because we're well-taught Christians. That's something we try and focus on, teaching the Bible all the time. We're well-taught. We even have an adult Sunday school. I've not been to many churches where there's an adult Sunday school. We take teaching the Bible very seriously. We think knowledge is important. Knowledge is important. We know our Bibles quite well. And these things are all really, really good. We're not trying to diminish those things in the slightest, but they're not all there is to the Christian life. There's more to the Christian life than education, than knowledge and habits. Again, here's how another Christian uh, puts the warning. He says, the lamp and the name of Christian, the profession and ordinances of Christianity are all well in their way. But they're not the one thing needful. So what's going on in this parable? 
How are nominal Christians warned? Well, you can see it's a wedding parable. And weddings throughout all cultures, all times, they are meant to be times of great celebration, aren't they? We, I guess most of us love a wedding. Uh, we get excited to them. But weddings, again, look different in, in, in every culture, don't they? When Harry and I were in the Gambia, a wedding would look completely different to a wedding today. But there are, of course, many similarities. One man, one woman. Uh, a time of great celebration. And while some of the details are quite hard to work out, we'll consider some of the details in a second, the big picture is obvious. It's a time of great celebration uh, to look forward to, and there's a need to be ready for that. But let's look at some of the details. Um, Firstly, who are these virgins? What does virgin mean here? Uh, Well, I think it really just means young woman. The word could literally be translated uh, young woman. And so it's not a comment on these women's sexual history. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just saying they're these uh, young girls, these party girls, maybe teenagers, maybe those in their 20s. And they're looking forward to the wedding. And it's not particularly clear why they are waiting for the bridegroom. Again, in UK culture, uh, everyone's waiting for the bride. In fact, it's the bride's right and her privilege to keep everyone waiting, to keep the groom sweating uh, on his day. That's, that, that, that's a cultural outworking. Here, they, it's different. They're waiting for the bridegroom and not sure why. And then they have these lamps. Clearly, it's happening uh, in the evening. These lamps would have been big sticks with cloths around them. I sort of um, imagine the lamps sort of Indiana Jones would use. Again, probably shows my age. But again, we're not obviously different context. We're not talking to, you know, discovering something. We're just talking for an ordinary wedding. So a big stick with cloth around it and the oil would be put over the cloth. So the light uh, could be um, kept going for a long time. So there's some of the details. Now, there are three things I want to notice in particular about this parable. So all of these 10 virgins, all of these 10 young women are waiting for the bridegroom. But there are two groups within the party, aren't there? Five are wise and five are foolish. And that's the main issue. That's the first thing I want us to notice is that all have come to meet the bridegroom, but only some are ready for the bridegroom. All have come, but only some are ready. Only some are prepared. That's what verse 10 says. Look at verse 10. Um, and while they were going to, uh, and while the, the, the foolish virgins were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him. Those who were ready, not all are ready, only some are ready. All are looking for the bridegroom, but only some are ready. Now, children, I don't know if any of you are uh, cubs or scouts or beavers or brownies. I know you pr- probably tell that I was a cub and a brownie. Um, <laughs> uh, the motto, what's the motto of cubs? Does anyone know? Or scouts? Thank you. Be prepared. Yeah, we'll have a chat and bond later about how great it was to be a, a cub or a brownie. Um, yeah, be prepared. And that would be the motto of these five wise virgins. Uh, be prepared. They got ready at the start. They bought their oil for their lamps. So the oil would have been the equivalent of their spare batteries, their battery pack, or they've charged their phones. Think of it how you like. But the point is they're ready. They're ready for a delay. Uh, despite the long time in coming, uh, verse 5, they're ready for the delay and they're ready for him to come. But the foolish ones weren't prepared. They're not ready. That's exactly what happened to me on uh, Christmas Day this year. 
uh, we bought uh, Arthur a Hot Wheels. I don't know if you know what Hot Wheels are. Um, absolutely awesome. Uh, little little toy cars and a track. And basically through uh, this motor, these these cars just fling around uh, the track again and again and again. Arthur absolutely loved it but not on Christmas Day. It was the classic dad mistake, you know, opening up with him, feeling like a bit of a legend that I bought him such a great present, to be fair, how it picked it. Um, and then making it with him. And then, you know, just, he's like, well, how does it work, dad? Oh, and then suddenly it dawned on me, no batteries, no batteries. Now, do you know anywhere where you can buy size D batteries on Christmas Day? I can tell you, nowhere. The point is, I wasn't ready for the big day. Ruined it. Ruined the big day. Needed to be ready. Now, obviously, just a small, ridiculous illustration. But the point is, there is a big day where we will need to be ready. And when that day comes, if we're not ready then, it will be too late. And that's what's going to happen when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Now, he's not delayed without warning. He's warned his followers that he will delay. We saw that uh, back in the first parable, uh, back in verse 48. Um, it says, my master is delayed. In other words, Jesus is saying in advance that I'm going to be delayed. Um, again, in verse 50, but he'll come at an hour that's not expected. And again, it's the same in this parable as well. The bridegroom uh, was a long time in coming. Uh, verse 5, he is delayed. And then he comes unexpectedly uh, in verse 7. Jesus has said he'll be a long time delayed and then he'll come unexpectedly. And the point is we need to be ready for that day. And the question is, will you be ready? Will you be ready when the Lord Jesus Christ returns? And what we're told is to get ready now for the future delay. If your plan is to wait, you've left it too late. So do not delay. Get ready today. And children, just imagine that your parents say to you, start the car journey. Um, have you put your seatbelts on? Well, how do you think they react? If you say, I'll put my seatbelt on when, when we have an accident. I mean, obviously, laughter is stupid. Stupid, wouldn't it? They'd say, look, what do you mean? You don't know when we'll crash. And when we do crash, it will be too late. It's exactly the principle of the Christian life. You put on your seatbelt at the start of the journey. You get ready for the final day now. But some weren't ready. Now here's the second detail I want us to see is there's not enough oil to share around. The foolish virgins, they want to share. Now again, listen to verse eight. It's, it's a desperate cry. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. They're desperate. They know, they realize at this point they're not ready. They're doing anything they can. But the wise virgins won't share. There's not enough to go around. And I think you read this parable instantly, you think, oh, come, us a bit greedy. Uh, why aren't they sharing? That's not the point of the parable. You can overanalyze the parable. The point is there simply isn't enough to go around. And everyone has personal responsibility to making sure they are ready. It's like an admit one only policy on the ticket as it were can't be shared again i i don't know if you've caught a train recently from uh lead station i love going to lead station it sort of can take you all over the country uh, small trains big trains ticket barriers well what i love about them the, the gentle ticket barriers and you might think it's a strange thing to notice but if you compare with them the london underground ticket barriers absolutely brutal 
And a poor Arthur learnt the hard way. Saw mummy go through. Oh, this is a way to go. I'll go through with mum. You know, the sensor clearly detected how it had been through. And then the door slamming in his face. No, not welcome. It was, he's not, he couldn't go in with mum. Now, this is, this is the principle here. You have to make sure you are ready yourself. You have to make sure you are ready. That's the point that we're being told. We can't get in on someone else's ticket. You can't say, well, I'll be all right. My family are Christians. You won't be okay. I'll be okay. My husband's a Christian. My wife's a Christian. My mum's a Christian. My dad's a Christian. You won't be okay. I'll be okay. My friends are Christians. No, you won't be okay. You've got to be ready yourself for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an admit one only policy. You need your own ticket. You need to get yourself ready. Now, here's the final detail I want us to see. Verse 10. The door was shut. The last four words of verse 10. The door was shut. The five uh, wise virgins who go through into the great wedding banquet. Well, what a joy for them. Uh, eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ is pictured as an eternal wedding party. What a wonderful picture of uh, some of the best aspects of life now as a picture of what eternity uh, will be like. But the others were too late. They weren't ready. The door was shut. And verse 11, again, the desperate cry. Of course, they pleaded to come in. Lord, Lord, open to us. They were pleading to come in. And now this part of the parable, it sort of merges from the parable to a picture of reality in the future. Lord, Lord, open to us. But look at the answer. Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. For the five foolish virgins, it was too late. I was once due to fly from uh, uh, London to Cornwall to join my family here on holiday. Um, my parents lived abroad when I was younger, and so I sort of got quite used to uh, flying. Um, and I was thinking, oh, no problem, I know how to do this. Um, turned up about three hours early for the flight. I think enough time for me to have a nice sunbathe, get a Burger King outside. And you know where the story's going. I, I lost track of time a little bit, but still about 40 minutes before the flight, um, I, I suddenly remembered, got to the desk, and I thought, domestic flight, no problem, 40 minutes is enough. And uh, the lady on the desk said, well, I'm sorry, sir, checking is closed. To which I replied, oh, <laughs> that's a bit awkward. How am I going to get on the flight? Thinking, you know, there must be a sort of plan B, plan C, you know, what happens for sort of slightly disorganized uh, flyers like myself. She said, no, no, I don't think you understand, sir. You're too late. Check-in is finished. The gate is closed. You're too late. As simple as that, I didn't get the flight. And I was gutted because it was actually a very short family holiday. That's why I had to fly. Very short family holiday. And I was going to miss out. Now, that is so utterly trivial compared with missing out on eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's the same message. It's too late. It's too late. The door is shut. And if I may speak personally, those words, the door was shut, I think are some of the most uh, scary words in the whole Bible. One day the door will be shut and it will be too late. And if your plan is too late, to, if your plan is to wait, you've left it too late. So do not delay. Get ready today. The door was shut. A picture of eternity. A picture of a closed door where one side of it is 
perfect joy and happiness and delight and glorying in the Lord Jesus Christ and his majesty. And the other side of it is darkness and sadness and weeping and a gnashing of teeth. And that door can only be opened for one side and the person on the door has closed it. And there's no keyhole on the outside. There's no handle. There is no way it is opening. The door was shut. You see, wanting to go to heaven and being ready to go are not the same thing. And so here's the warning. If your plan is to wait, you've left it too late. So do not delay. Get ready today. Don't wait. Get ready for the Lord Jesus Christ now. Don't leave it uh, till later. It only gets harder. Uh, The longer you live, the more you get tied up in the world's priorities. You think about career. You think about marriage. You think about home. You think about your children's happiness. It's so tempting to get more and more consumed by worldliness uh, than by eternity, by, than by eternity and our eternal destination. These things aren't wrong in, in and of themselves, of course, but potential to distract us from the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how then can we be ready? How can we make sure that Jesus will never say to us, I never knew you? Well, the sense in which I don't want to say too much about that because that's not the focus of this passage. The focus of this passage is make sure you are ready, but it'd be remiss of me not to say anything. So what does it mean to be ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I I'd really want to just to pick up on two verses that we find earlier on in Matthew's gospel, much earlier in the Matthew's gospel, uh, because they're two verses in which Jesus says, uh, he explains who it is. Uh, has possession of the kingdom of heaven, who it is who will be ready. And I don't think they're sort of two key verses. They're the only verses that show us what it means to be ready for the Lord Jesus Christ and his return. But I think they're two very helpful verses nonetheless. And I think we even preached on them at the beginning of the year, actually. They're from the Sermon of the Mount. So listen to these verses. The very first verse of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be ready for the Lord Jesus Christ and his return is to be poor in spirit. And what does that mean? That means to recognize your personal failings before the Lord and coming to him for mercy. That is your posture towards God. Your posture towards God is not, I've achieved, he deserves, uh, I I deserve to be let into heaven. The posture is not despair, I'm so awful, I could never get into heaven. The posture is to be poor in spirit and to look into Christ for mercy daily. That is what it means to be ready uh, for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus continues in his sermon. So he starts the Beatitudes with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he ends the Beatitudes with this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Having received God's mercy, having received forgiveness of sins, it means seeking to live out the righteous ways of the bridegroom, the righteous ways of the Lord Jesus Christ as strangers here on earth. It means not living like everyone around us. It means living distinctively and it may mean living in such a distinct way uh, that you become persecuted for it, whatever form that might take, whether it's mild or severe. But that's what it means to be ready for the kingdom of heaven. It means to be coming to Jesus for mercy and to following him in his ways.
Now, brothers and sisters, we have heard this warning today. God warns those he loves and he tells us to get ready for Jesus' return. Don't wait, don't delay. If your plan is to wait, you've left it too late. So do not delay. Get ready today. If you are knowingly living in wickedness, like the wicked servant, thinking you'll sort it out later, take heed of Jesus' words. You won't sort it out later. Sort it out today. Repent. Come to Jesus for mercy. If you're living as a nominal Christian now, if you're just going through the motions, if you're not engaging uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ daily, if you're not coming to your Father in heaven for mercy and asking him for transformation to live his kingdom ways daily, then you're not ready to return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God warns those he loves and he gives us a chance to say, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. I want to start living your ways. And I guess for some of us, we might have been playing at Christianity for a very long time. The Lord Jesus Christ says, uh, come to him for mercy. Be ready. And when we ask him for mercy, he will make us ready. And when we look with alertness, knowing that Jesus will judge those uh, for their sin, and we say, I claim refuge in the cross, uh, then we are ready. And we can look forward to a wonderful banquet into eternity if your plan is to wait you've left it too late so do not delay get ready today and let's pray now and ask god to help us father in heaven forgive us for being presumptuous about the delayed return of the lord jesus christ forgive us for when that has led to wickedness Forgive us when that's led to rebellion. Forgive us when that's led to us just not caring about our sin, thinking that we can sort it out later. Have mercy on us, we pray. Father, forgive us when we've lived a nominal Christianity, a superficial Christianity where we're going through the motions, but we're not really ready for your return. Father, we pray you'd help us get ready today for the Lord Jesus Christ's return. Would it be our habit daily to seek mercy from him for our sins and to seek to live righteously as strangers here on earth we ask this in the name of the lord jesus christ our lord amen